Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we go to the east coast of Canada to talk to Jennifer DeCoste of Life School House. So welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for having me today, Peter. Okay. First of all, let's talk about your academic background. Where did you go to school? <laughs> um, my undergrad was at St. Francis Xavier University, which is a very small undergraduate, primarily undergraduate university uh, in a town called Anaganish in Nova Scotia, uh, Canada. Okay. And from that point, <laughs> yeah, from that point forwards, um, you know, there's, it's been a, a steady accumulation of education onwards. Okay, great. So tell us about your work experience. Well, uh, it's funny how education and work is, is um, not necessarily connected for me. When I was doing my undergrad, uh, I ran into the same challenge I'd say that a lot of students do where uh, those, those uh, finances, they weren't, the money was going out faster than it was coming back in again. I had an opportunity when I was in my third year of university to start working full-time for an organization in Alberta, Canada, called uh, Dale Carnegie Training International. And um, it may be a name that you recognize because it's been around for well over 100 years. And uh, it was an interesting opportunity because at the time I was only 20 years old and had a chance to be mentored by a, a, just a masterful trainer who uh, owns the, the sponsorship for the Dale Carnegie Training Organization for Western Canada. So I jumped into work in early days with a path of kind of training and, and uh, human behavior and modeled kind of went the other way. So my work kind of modeled my, my curiosity in an educational path as I spent a number of years with that firm and uh, then branched out as a consultant on my own, taking that skill out to, to multiple clients and, and learning by jumping around from organization to organization. And I uh, worked in different spaces all over the world until my husband and I decided uh, that we wanted to come back intentionally to Eastern Canada and see what contributions we could make here. And uh, we've been living here ever since. That was about uh, 15 years ago. And when I came back, I had done, uh, brought back kind of my consultancy and my, my approach to work. I'm working for a number of different organizations, but was uh, given an opportunity to work in government. And I believe that everybody should take a turn in public service to understand how systems work. And on the inside is where I learned how much my drive and passion were directed towards breaking systems, not so much being the best of employees in that kind of an environment. So I left uh, government to pursue the work that I'm doing here with Life Schoolhouse, which is really about uh, finding ways that we can build the kind of communities that we want to live in, but doing it from a grassroots perspective where you don't have to, to seek a lot of, of permission or approvals. You can really just lean in and take the resources and the assets that you have in your community to, to make those kinds of changes. How did you get from Nova Scotia to Alberta? Um, I was chasing a boy, but to be fair, I married him. So I think it worked out in the long run. Uh, he, my, my partner is 
six years older than me and he'd already moved out west and was was working out there so uh i was hooker by crook going to find a way to uh wrap up my my undergrad as quickly as possible so that i could join him and the opportunity to do that kind of full-time work was the um was the ticket yeah <laughs> okay so you're not a folk school what's the difference between what you do in a folk school you know, what's interesting is that I didn't even know the answer to that question when we got started with the Life School House. So Life School House does use the term folk school. We do identify as a folk school. And, um, but we applied that terminology early days before I had done any real research. It was kind of just a word that I'd heard bounced around and it felt right. It felt like the folks were going to come together for the purposes of, of sharing knowledge and experience and uh, kind of upskilling each other. So we went with folk school. The interesting thing was after I had started Life School House, only then did I realize that that, that term has real legacy, um, both from the Danish perspective, Danish, the, the kind of the modern tradition of folk schooling is very strongly based in Scandinavia with deep roots in, in Denmark and was used as a means to do a lot of democratic education to sustain a democracy and in, in a, a fledgling and then a building democracy in Denmark. And come to find out after I'd started the Life School House and was using the term folk school uh, and went to Denmark to, to learn more about this, that I learned about what's referred to as the Antigonish movement here in Nova Scotia and that several people from Nova Scotia well over 100 years ago, had gone to Denmark to learn about folk schooling and brought that back and started a movement here. So it really felt like the reason I was so drawn to this, this language of folk schooling and the work that I do was because it's in my blood. It's my roots. It's connect, My family was deeply connected with the Anignish movement, um, but it wasn't really a part of my story. It had never been shared with me until I started doing the work that I'm doing. And that, that was really interesting. And then once we got started, and uh, actually was when I was over in Denmark at a, at a conference about folk schools, that I connected with the North American Folk School Alliance and learned about other folk schools in North America tend towards either kind of a craft focus, where they use um, craft as a means to draw people together, but the intention is to protect the craft and the artisan who carries the traditional craft forward generation after generation. Uh, and so you'll see that really quite prominent at folk schools like the John C. Campbell Folk School in the United States that's, you know, also been around for well over 100 years. Um, or there's you, there are folk schools that have a very strong social justice focus in the, in the United States. Um, and they're like the Highlander Folk School, as a for instance, where Martin Luther King would have brought, you know, change leaders in, uh, pre the, the civil rights movement in the United States. They would have trained at Highlander Folk School and, and a lot of really interesting movements started in spaces like that. So learning as much as I did about other folk schools, we were able to bring that information back and look differently, kind of with, with a different lens at what we were doing with Life Schoolhouse and realized that we were forging our own path in a lot of different ways, but we were standing on the shoulders of giants who had come and done this work before us. So um, it's helped us kind of grow the model of Life School House, but also even understand why some of the successes we were having were landing. It's because there are already deep roots in this practice and, um, and, and we continue every day to learn as we do more research into folk schools, what all is possible. So Life School House was started how many years ago? 
Uh, started in 2018. It was incorporated in 2018 uh, in the fall, and we started only probably six, eight months prior to that, so January, February, February 2018. So a couple months pre-pandemic, or a couple years, rather, pre-pandemic. And what is the overall purpose? So Life Schoolhouse is a network of barter-based community folk schools. The idea is to use the platform of skills sharing in a folk school environment as a means to connect people more deeply. So our, our focus of impact is actually on reducing social isolation and loneliness. We want to have opportunities for people to come together in community and find each other and, and really feel like they're finding a place to develop a relationship. Craft is the draw or art is the draw or making and building and, and doing things together is, is what draws them in. The, the folk school model uh, has kind of been the been the, the, the ticket uh, to entry for a community. And we, like I said, it is a barter-based initiative. So everything that we do with Life Schoolhouse is very, very accessible. The intention is that the people who can share their space and are willing to do that act of hosting will do so without charging for the use of the space. The facilitators themselves come from within communities. So if people have learned something through their own educational path, or they've learned something from their grandparent, or they've learned something through the internet and done it the hard way, um, they're able to then come and share that with others. And the people who come to learn from them will bring gifts. They'll bring bartered items to uh, kind of compensate fairly for the knowledge that those individuals have built up and also for the time uh, that they're willing to share and teaching that into the community. So uh, that barter kind of neutralizes the power dynamic between the the teacher and the student in this folk school, it's very much a circular or neutral kind of learning environment where everybody's contributing what they can and taking what they need. And uh, in that way, we're bringing more education out to the people. So you and your husband started in your house at the time. And how many kind of workshops or meetings or lessons did you hold at that time? <laughs> well, I think it, it bears saying that this was not supposed to be a thing. When we started the Life Schoolhouse, um, we had just purchased a home, and the home that we purchased was in unceded territory in, in Mi'kma'ki, which is the traditional and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. And when we purchased this home, we wanted to, to have a place where we could raise our two children and have some safety and security for them in those early years. And we owed paperwork to the bank and the lawyers in the city, and nobody ever talked at all about our responsibility as treaty people to the land. And when we talked about it, we thought, like, how can we make use of this space in a way that um, is, is, it treads as lightly as possible, I guess, on the space that, that we're using as our own. And um, I had in the past been helping organize a, a group called Trade School International, and Trade School was similar, like the act of trading for schooling. And um, one of the challenges that we'd had at Trade School was space. We never had consistency in space, so we moved around a lot. And it was very difficult for the community to form. The training was great. Community never took off. And uh, so, yeah, we talked about it when we first moved into the house and said, what if we use this space? Graciously, you know, grateful for the space that we have. What if we let people come in and use it in this way uh, to share these skills and, and build up and see what's possible there? So it was kind of just supposed to be a, a little thing that we were doing because it was important to us and how we wanted to live in the world. 
but we very quickly, we, I mean, there were three people that came to the first workshop. We just advertised it on like telephone poles and little cafes and three brave souls like knocked on the door with these confused look on their face. Like, Am I, is this a school? Like, this is your living room. <laughs> but they came in and that was great. And then they told a friend who told a friend. And by, I think like our fourth or fifth class, we were selling out classes and again, they're free, but like ticketed. We, we were filling classes in like three to four minutes. We did almost 60 classes that first year, well more, well over 50 classes in our living room in our kitchen that first year. And it wasn't, we were both working full time and we had two kids. It wasn't supposed to be something that um, was, was quite as busy, but it was just so great. It was so wonderful and, and really good as well, especially in the early days with the children we were quite young when we got started. And so they just saw all kinds of people coming in and out of the house. And it was a way of parenting that meant I didn't have to <laughs> try and be everything for these little people, that they really did have lots of points of contact and, and influences in their early days. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the origin story. So today, how many of these schools, life schools, do you have going on right now? Well, um, we are still kind of in the throes of the pandemic. It's been an interesting couple of years to be advocating for in-person gatherings in people's houses. <laughs> That's not really like if there were any organizations that probably shouldn't have made it through the pandemic, it would be ours. But um, fortunately, there's just such a draw right now. People are really finding there's there's just a lot of social poverty right now where people are lonely and they're feeling disconnected and they're they're looking for anything anything so each time that there was kind of a bit of a break in a wave and we could program again same thing full classes instantaneous uh and we've been able to kind of hold strong with the hosts that we had going into the pandemic and add some new folks so it's mainly at this stage because we weren't um we weren't ready to kind of take this this out to the world uh, during during a pandemic. We focused where we are in this space and getting good at what we're doing and, and developing some resources to help others. So we have, uh, say, probably 10, maybe there's 12 now hosts here locally across the province of Nova Scotia. Could be more than that. Um, but we do have hosts in New Brunswick, which is the adjacent province, uh, as well in Ontario, and we've just recently started 10 new hosts in Mexico City, which is really exciting, and uh, looking at a project in Washington State as well. So it's early days coming out of this pandemic. I'm not even sure if we are coming out of this pandemic per se, um, but we are aligning so that we're ready when, when think people are ready, that we'll have all the resources put out into the commons so that anybody who wants to know more about this model can, can grab it and make impact in their own communities. Well, talk about uh, team. I mean, I know your husband and yourself are very committed, but you need to have some help doing this. And talk also about partnerships and funding. <laughs> well, we had $5 when we started the Life Schoolhouse because you need $5 to open a bank account. So we ran it on 5 bucks for about, well, at least a year. <laughs> and really quite dependent on um, not so much funding as 
you know, borrowing mason jars so that we could do canning classes. And, you know, like we, we just got very scrappy and creative, I would say, in those early days. But we didn't have any funding for the Life Schoolhouse for a long time, almost two years, I'd say. And therefore, it really did take a, a community to keep this going and growing. We had hosts that joined up with us within probably the first six months or so. We had a couple of people who knocked on the door and said, can I do this too? And um, it wasn't really intended to be something that others were doing, but there was no reason why they couldn't. And then all of a sudden our network grew to being something that supported others in doing the work. So in addition to doing the work in our own house, then we had to, uh, a network of people that we kind of felt we, we would like to be able to support and provide training and do these things. So it was only at that point that we, we started thinking that this could be something that needed some support. But even then, I, I was working uh, another full-time job and was pretty dedicated to that um, opportunity. So we did both. I did both for two years. And at the end of that, um, it was early February 1st, 2020. It was the first time we had stable funding for Life School House. Um, and I was able to kind of step out into that work on a full-time basis. And then the pandemic hit mid-March. So uh, it was primarily, like our roots are very much volunteer-based uh, with the hosts in their own communities doing what they could to find what they needed to make it happen. And it's the act of, of borrowing and bartering to get the resources that we needed was actually an act of community building. I think if we'd started with you know, $100,000 in the bank and, and flashy kind of marketing and, and all of the resources you could ever need, it really would have changed the feeling of, you know, the, it being grassroots and it being something that we can just do with whatever it is that we have on hand uh, and still be very, very successful. So we've been really intentional about not doing a ton of outreach. We don't have steady funding for Life School House even at this point. Um, and don't really need as much as you'd think. We've had wonderful partnerships um, from from universities across Canada who've graciously offered our hosts scholarships to training programs and certification programs. Um, that's been really helpful. Our communities have always stepped in with the resources and the assets that we would need to do class programming. Our facilitators are always really generous as well. If we're doing seed starting workshop next weekend, for instance, you know, like the the local um, uh, what's the word? The local stores is providing you know enough soil to get the the gardening workshop started and things like that. So it's required a lot of creativity, um, but we have never really built in an economic model, uh, or we've never set up a model that requires a ton of funding the intention was to keep it as simple as possible so that it could spread kind of horizontally and, and not need to, to to set itself up as an organization that had more of a vertical top-down approach it could just be from for community from within community okay so if we uh, if we look at today where you are where are you going to be in three years from today well, I am physically in brand new space. So we've relocated. When we started the Life Schoolhouse, we were in a city and we were on a main street and the bus stopped right at my front door. And our home was the meeting place 
for like schoolhouse programming that would happen not just for our neighborhood but for a lot of people that were curious about like schoolhouse um they, they'd end up at my house and it was wonderful it was a wonderful kind of four-year stretch of time and you know I'd often run into people who are like I know you but where do I know you from and I'm like my living room you're like yes that's it um so you know we had hundreds if not thousands of people that came through that living room in a four-year period I'd have to go back and look and see but but it was quite a busy couple of years and during the pandemic we recognized that a lot of the people that were doing this kind of volunteer work that were doing community work, especially those who were doing caretaking work. We fed a lot of people, started community pantries and community gardens and things like that in our neighborhood. And um, we just noticed that people were getting really tired and we were getting really tired. And there were a lot of reasons why we wanted to take what we were doing with Life Schoolhouse and, and build it up a bit. So we've relocated. We're now living quite rurally in a community called Lock Arbor, which is um, more to the northern tip of the province. It's at least two plus hours outside of the city. And we have purchased space here and we're building up a folk school that can be a more permanent space for people to come and learn about grassroots community leadership and or just come for a break, come and walk in the woods, come and reconnect with yourself and with the land. Um, we've moved here on the 15th of January, so we're just getting started. But uh, the new business is called Firelock. Uh, F-I-R-E-L-O-C-H, like Loch uh, Ness, Loch Ness Monster. We live on a loch here. And uh, we're offering this space as a, as a kind of a healing place, a, a path that people can explore on their own, workshops and retreats that will kind of re-energize and rebuild toward the trust that's been broken. And um, the vision is open. The story has just started. But the first step was to get the space that we needed to continue the work that we were doing. So now we're here. So three years from today? Three years from today, there'll be a recognition of shared space here where people feel like it's their own. They can come home to this place and they can come here for learning and they can come here for joy and they can come here for connection and that that is uh, recognized as our space. But that's only one location. You have other hosts. How many hosts will you have three years from today? The Life School House's growth is going to take on a life of its own and I don't know that it necessarily needs me in it in three years. I think what we'll notice is that the intention behind the Life Schoolhouse model is that everything that we've done, we've had a number of different projects recently where we've been able to engage students and consultants and evaluators who've come in and, and, and researchers who've looked at what, the, what it is that we're doing and collectively we've produced a field guide and a number of different resources that we can hand out to whomever is interested in doing this. When they take those models, like the training that I'm doing right now with the folks that live in Mexico, they don't even speak the same language and their community looks and feels very different than my living room would. There are many points that we have in common, but they're gonna do it their own way. and. Our intention with Life Schoolhouse is to help them on their way to find their own voice 
to do their own work. And so I don't know that I'd measure the success of Life Schoolhouse by how many hosts there are in the world, because they may not even identify as Life Schoolhouse hosts. They may take what we've offered and, and change it to suit their needs. And I would consider that successful because I just want my boys to be able to go out into the world and have this be normal, have it be totally normal that people will open up their house and, and you can just wander in and, and meet and greet and visit and learn and find a, a community. And if, if this can go out into the world and people can take it and make it whatever they need it to be, that's how we're going to normalize this again. And not necessarily putting the name Life Schoolhouse on, on it every time. I don't know that that's necessary. Uh, but I, yeah, just normalizing this kind of caretaking work in the world would be my dream. So how big is your current space? Um, where we're, where we've relocated ourselves to, we have um, 55 acres of land here, and um, we have a training space where we've converted a uh, barn is not the right word; it's quite gorgeous uh, building that we have here. We'll call it the barn, and uh, we're putting up um, some off-grid um, residential spaces, modeling after the American folk schools where. If you beauty of life schoolhouse, you know, is that we have been able to build community with these kind of quick hit horde like training where people will come together for three or four hours at a time. But we've identified that true like deep connection does take time. To, relationships take time, so we wanted to offer this space so people can come for longer stretches and just be here and and be with each other. So we'll be building spaces for people to come and stay. We're starting with. Um, just geodesic domes that we're putting up in the woods and there'll be spaces for people to come and be here with us. And uh, yeah, hoping over the next 10 years, we'll see how that evolves. If we, if we need a, a larger training center or if we want to take the model of what we've done with Firelock and, and what we've made possible and then share that with others, that might be our next step as well. But it's early days in that story yet. So what do your kids think about what you're doing? Do they have any clue what you're doing? <laughs> I don't think they I don't think they know that it's anything not normal because <laughs> they were so young when we started and they they're just I have one very introverted child and one pretty extroverted teenager like you and yes yes so it's been interesting to watch how they each interact with this you know we've got one kind of observer on the outside he just kind of looks and sees what's going on and, and the other who's happy to stand in front of the crowd and tell them exactly how it's going to go um but they've just grown up around it so it would be like asking a fish if their water is um you know to, to, to describe their water i don't know that they will know until they get out in the world um how how different it was or yeah i don't think they know yet Jennifer, what is the website if people want to, say, uh, use your model in their community? We have resources that are listed at lifeschoolhouse.com, and you'll find it listed under Start a Folk School. We do a, a lot of work with the Folk School Alliance of North America as well, and they uh, will happily share our resources as a means to, to set up alternative folk schools. And... Yeah, there are training courses that we'll offer. You'll see those on the website as they get popped up. 
to support those who are looking at the resources and want to learn more about how to apply the model in their own communities. So we do programs where our existing hosts can come in as mentors to help new hosts get started elsewhere in the world. And sometimes I will join in and sometimes those are hosted entirely by others who have learned about the model and are happy to share what they know as well. So in that way, we're able to grow, grow outwards from the, um, the folks who have been playing with the model alongside. And once again, the website? That's www.lifeschoolhouse.com. Well, thank you, Jennifer. You're doing some really unique and innovative stuff. And that's exactly why I wanted to have a conversation with you today. So thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite, Peter.